Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is doing what she does best. As a young girl, she was scolded for talking too much to her neighbors in class. After years of trying to be quiet, she discovered that speaking up about taboo topics is her strength. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. She is a wealth psychology expert who has helped thousands of advisors and clients communicate more effectively about money. Now, listen to Kathleen as she assists today's guest in busting their favorite money myth wide open. It's an honor today to be joined by Kelly Pellisier. She is the owner of Sage Hill Design. She's the creative director and somebody that I've worked with for a number of years. So I'm thrilled to have her on uh, Breaking Money Silence podcast today. Let me tell you a little bit about her before I tell you about her myth. Uh, Kelly, like I said, she founded uh, Sage Hill Designs in 2008. After having more than 15 years of experience in the creative industry. She decided she no longer wanted to uh, have those long commutes and wanted to begin her own firm. And just was in Boston last week in traffic every morning and every night, so I congratulate her on that decision. Uh, her prior experience as both an art director and adjunct design professor have given her advantages in both the corporate and educational realms. Her irrational fear of boredom and sense of global responsibility have led her to start a small organic farm with her husband, which I absolutely love. And Kelly has worked with the KBK Wealth Connection since its inception. So, Kelly, welcome to the call. <laughs> Thank you. Gosh, you're starting to date us now. <laughs> I know. It's very exciting. I didn't realize we had worked together so long, but it's really nice um, to know somebody so well and to be able to have these conversations. So today we're going to talk about a myth that we certainly have talked about offline, and I thought I would include all the listeners in on our conversation. Uh, Kelly's myth today is um, aging parents should communicate with you or aging parents communicate with you about money. So Kelly, tell me a little bit um, about why you picked this myth. Well, it's it's extremely topical. Um, both of my parents are unfortunately starting to face a lot of health issues. My dad recently retired, um, probably a lot later than he should have. And we're really facing that reality that I think a lot of, um, I guess, what do they call us? Sandwichers, people with kids and aging parents. Um, yes, you're the sandwich generation. Yeah, that we're looking at. And, you know, when suddenly you find a parent in the hospital and you're kind of facing some of those, you know, not very optimistic things, you say, oh gosh, you know, what if? What if this happened? What, what do we do? And then the stress comes in and you start, if you're like me, you're like, oh gosh, you know, how do we pay for assisted living? You know, what do we do with my mom? So it's not that I've never thought of these things before. I mean, obviously we have, but I guess I just had this myth that my parents were going <laughs> to diligently research all of this, teach us about it, tell us what they've done, um, where everything is and have a plan. And they don't. Well, 
I take it back. It's not that they don't have anything, but they never communicated with us what it was. So now it's, it's work. It's, you know, my parents now are completely thinking about their health and what they need to do. And I think they're a little scared um, because suddenly they're faced with making decisions that have to do with their mortality. And it's, it's a lot of work getting all this information and it's suddenly very more technologically uh, difficult. You know, maybe they're not as savvy or maybe they suddenly find that they don't have the resources to put all this together. Absolutely. And what I think is interesting and, and is the whole concept that if you're a kid, right, doesn't matter if you are 14 or 40 or older, um, as a kid, you think, oh, my parents got that. They're going to handle it. They're going to communicate about finances with me. They're going to have handled their retirement and their health care wishes and their um, estate plan. And what you're saying is, and I think a lot of people out there can identify, I know um, I'm kind of the exception of the rule, but my husband can identify, is that a lot of parents have not um, taken the action to develop an estate plan and to really think those pieces through. And if they have taken that action, somehow there's this money silence around telling the kids. So often it's a health crisis that leads you into this conversation. So it sounds like, unfortunately, uh, you're in the boat that a lot of people um, are in. Now tell me, Kelly, what, like you started to allude to this, but how do you think this myth has impacted you, um, both personally and professionally? Because I know that if you have your own company that it might have impacted you in both ways. Sure, well, I mean, Personally, it made me say, I don't want to do this to my kids. <laughs> right. You take some action that little fire under me. Um, professionally, I think what's nice, there's, there's this advantage, and I know it's different for every business, but I work with uh, an accountant and tax attorney. I, I have to, you know, I have to, as a business, handle my finances in a, a much more organized manner than I think I probably handle my personal. Um, and he's been a great resource because what I ended up doing is when these things started to happen with my parents, I said, look, I want you to talk to this guy. Um, I use him for my business. And then I also kind of said, you know what, I have to take the initiative to make sure we start doing this for our family, thinking about, like, does it make sense for us to set up a trust, you know, what do I do with my business if something happens to me? So their inability to communicate or take action really has made me take affirmative action as to what I want to set up for us. So in that sense, it's been positive. So it's really helped you say as a parent, I don't want to put my kid in this situation. And I want to do something different. And then it also, I mean, I'm happy to hear, and you're right, I think as business owners, we need to have, you know, be on top of our finances. But you raised the issue that someone raised with me the other day of business succession planning. I'm like, ooh, I talk about that. But do I have a succession plan? No. Um, so really thinking through what are those different pieces that you need to take care of as a person as a mother and as a person but also professionally yeah so and and I love the idea that even though I I feel like every myth can help us and it also gets in the way so the way it helps us well I I think it helped you (laughs) in a weird way correct me if I'm wrong (laughs) that it put fire under your belly to say hey I'm going to not do this to my kids is there any other way in which you can think having the belief that aging parents will communicate um, with you around their finances is there any other upside to that? 
that's a tough one. <laughs> Is there? Have I experienced it? Um, I, I honestly, I, I don't know. Um, How about the idea, and I'm just throwing this out there that may not resonate with you, but in some ways, don't we all get to run around kind of in a little la-la land of like, whoo, this is great. My parents are going to take care of themselves. I'm fine. I'm living my life. I have my kids. Yeah. There's a way in which this this, uh, collaborative denial um, can be a kind of a happy place. (laughs) Yeah. And I I was just going to say, is that a... is that a positive thing? It, it, it then flips. So let's talk about the flip. Right. The flip is, how does this myth get in the way? So looking at your life now, knowing what you're going through with your parents and knowing that you are, you're not alone, but you're going through it and it's stressful. Um, how does this myth get in the way of, of you, your family life? Like, what's the downside? Yeah. Well, the downside is I think there's that initial... Pouting, almost, for lack of a better word. I kind of, I kind of get resentful. I'm like, you know, mom and dad, why didn't you do this? This was your responsibility. You're, you're my parents. You, you kind of feel let down because I think for so long, especially when we're younger, we think that our, our parents just know it all, you know, and they've got it. They're responsible and they've figured it out and they're adults. And then suddenly you become an adult and you start raising your own family and that, that veil starts to <laughs> kind of disappear. That's why um, I never signed up for the job. Yeah, <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And then I think there's that sudden burden of responsibility. And like you said, when we talked about being that sandwich generation, I've got, you know, a kid who's, you know, applying to college you know I've got another one who just started high school and sure maybe they're not little ones that I've you know I have different responsibilities now but I don't want to have to take care of my parents in that sense as well you kind of feel like gosh you're still adults you know you're not you know completely you know needing full-time care you're not you haven't completely lost your marbles yet (laughs) again for lack of a better term why do I now feel the need to help you figure this out. Um, Are they capable of figuring it out themselves? Yeah, so maybe, you know, I'm kind of, you know, being a little bit of a control freak, but at the same time, their inability to take action and makes me want to um, step in a bit more, and I think I get pretty resentful for that. Um, And I think that a lot of women run into this, right? Because... um Often it falls on the female, not always, but often. And I see this in my husband's family where um, the bulk of, let's say, the bulk of the health care and the, the hand-holding and that kind of thing is following on his sister, um, where we're looking more at the legal and financial issues. Um, but there's a resent, I th- being resentful kind of makes sense because you're like, hey, you're my parents. You're the one who taught me everything, and now I'm having to take action. And I think there's a fine line, right? And it's hard to find that line from my own experience with my parents when my mother was sick. To say, when do I jump in and when do I stay out? When is it their own life and when do they maybe need me to act a little bit more directive? I, I think that's a hard decision. It is really hard. And I think you're right about, you know, the, the female aspect of it too. My my brother, now who knows, maybe it's just pecking order. I, my brother is two and a half years younger than me and I'm kind of driving the bus when it comes to a lot of these things. But when I look at my husband's family, um, you know, my husband... He, it's really me kind of prodding them and saying, hey, you know, what's up with, you know, your parents and what are they going to do about, you know, the future of their health care because they can't, you know, necessarily afford to um, 
you know, be in assisted living for a while? You know, how do we sell the house? All of these little things. And neither he nor his brother have really thought about this. Um, so it's, it's interesting that I think as, I don't know if there's this natural sense of caregiving that we, we worry about it. Um, but then there, like you said, there are also these fine lines, especially when it's a spouse, you know, I'm the daughter-in-law. How do I, how do I kind of initiate these conversations for my in-laws or with my parents? How do I say, look, you know, how much money do you have in your savings? How much money do you have put away for insurance and retirement? Because my dad comes from that generation where you did not talk about this. This wasn't my daughter's business. You know, this is my business. I don't want her to know. So it's really about developing it almost delicately, this communication, bridging this, it seems like Grand Canyon between us, but it's it's vital. It's so important. Now, how did you, because, because that is a really tricky question um, in terms of like, how do you bring it up? How do you break the money silence when you talk about a canyon between you? You know, different parents are different, but certainly there's a generational piece. Um, my parents, my father was obsessed with estate planning and the will. And we talked about it almost to the point where like my sister and I would roll our eyes like, here we go again. Um, but that was well before they got sick. So when my mother got sick, it was actually a gift. At the time, I thought it was really annoying when I was younger. Um, but it ultimately ended up being a gift. But he's an exception to the rule. I think the way you're describing your parents and your in-laws and certainly my in-laws, it's much more common to have this kind of this this gap between you, this communication gap. And so what I'm wondering is, you know, what advice would you give based on your own experience um, on how to break that money silence, how to help people out there understand that, you know, your parents may not communicate with you about finances and that it it's more sometimes the family's responsibility to communicate with their aging parents about money? Sure. Um, well, I got good advice once that was, Intention is key, and when you can first communicate your intention that it's that it's loving, it's not. Hey, I'm I'm putting you in a home. You know, surprise. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not that. It's. I mean, we. They, I'm I'm blessed that both my parents are still alive, and that they, you know, for part of the year they live up here, so they're they're close by. We can go over for dinner and say, Hey, you know what? I know this isn't a fun topic. I know this is something a lot of us don't want to think about, but because we love you and we care about you and we want to be prepared for the future, here's what we should talk about. We don't have to get into it tonight, but can we set it aside at, you know, a night? We can maybe sit down for dinner and talk about, you know, a couple of these things and maybe we, you know, either email or talk about what are some of the the pieces of information that would be helpful to have when we have this talk and and then it becomes a, a process it's not something that we ever wanted to drag out but when we started it we definitely said we need to set aside time um, it was just my parents and me and my brother we didn't have any other extended family or kids or anybody running around so that I think they felt more comfortable that it was just our um, immediate family and um, and we took that first time to get together to say okay what makes sense? You know, what what do you feel comfortable with us knowing about? Um, and what are things that you don't feel comfortable right now with us knowing about that you'd rather work with a professional or a third party? You know, eventually, obviously, if something were to happen to them, we're going to need to know. But we did have to ease into that. And I think that that helped. 
Um, and then it also gave them an opportunity to decide, okay, yeah, we are at a point where we need to put a trust into place, but it's expensive, so we're going to save up for that. Um, and then we also had to figure out, and I know it depends on what state you live, how long you have to have your stuff in a trust, all of mm -hmm. those little details. But at least having that initial conversation made it easier for us to start taking those steps. Well, what I love about what you're saying is that in order to break money silence with your aging parents, you need to start the conversation with a loving intention. Mm -hmm. um, and I think a lot of times we come from that place, but I can certainly speak to my own experience or people I've worked with. It may not be evident in the way we first communicate with our parents yes. <laughs> that there's that loving intent. So going in with an, you know, and leading with your intention. Um, I also like that you acknowledge the fact that this may be difficult for them to just say, you know, this, this may not be fun, but this is something that I think that we need to do. And then you gave them control over it doesn't have to be now, but let's set up a time. And then, um, and once again, giving them a sense of control over what do you want to share and what would you prefer not to share at this point? I think as people age, there's a lot of uh, fear of losing control. And in some ways, you start to lose control, whether that's memory or physical or whatever. And so really, anytime you can help your parents feel good that they're empowered and they have control over things, I think the better off. So it sounds like you really approached it in a very nice way. Um what was your parents' reaction when you first broached this topic? <laughs> My mom was hilarious. She was like, it's about damn time. <laughs> she was ready to go. Um, and my dad, he was, it's not that he didn't want to do it, but I think in his own way, his resistance was because it seemed overwhelming. I think in his mind, it was like, oh my gosh, now suddenly I need to track down all of this information and this is going to take months and, you know, I just want to be relaxed and retired or it's just easier if they figure it all out after I'm dead. Yep. Like, I think, no, there's that. some people have that strategy. They'll yeah, figure yeah, it out. And yeah, and it is a strategy, that's yeah. for sure. But um, I think, you know, we offered to help you know, break stuff down for it, it as far as like, okay, well, what if we just start with, you know, what different savings and checkings accounts do you have and where are they? And, and, and ch kind of chunking it up. Um, but it did take some research on, on my part, you know, I was going online and saying, okay, you know, what type of information do you need? What is involved in a trust and, and talking to different people. So it, it, it I don't want people to think that, you know, it's just this quick, simple conversation because it's not. There there are a lot of pieces involved. And I, I think that's why a lot of people don't do it. It's it's a lot of work. And I think that's exactly where my dad was coming from. Um, we haven't figured it all yet out yet. We're still getting pieces because I do think that memory and, you know, not being the most organized person in the world contributes to its difficulty. You know, my dad, we met over the holidays and you know, he was gathering some information and he put it, you know, in, in an email. And then a couple of days later, he's like, oh, and oh, yeah, I forgot. Um, we have a safety deposit box in, you know, in, in the bank in town. And, you know, so then we had to follow up and say, okay, which bank, dad, <laughs> you know, and where is the key? So 
it takes time. We're not quite there yet. And I understand that that part, I think, is frustrating for him. Yeah, yeah. And, and so what you're highlighting is the fact that parents, if they're both still alive, can have separate reactions, and that it's really important for the kids, adult kids, to get into and start to understand where the parent who may be more resistant is coming from, and then help them with that, the, the overwhelming piece. And as you're describing him writing an email versus, you know, communicating with some uh, tidbit with you, I think, that's wonderful because sometimes people feel more comfortable communicating and writing. It's a little, it feels a little less difficult. And the idea that he's, you know, he's still around and that he can be like, oh, the safety deposit box. Cause you know, often you hear the stories of parents who have passed and, and kids doing this. And then, you know, three years later, they're like, oh, we found this safety deposit box. Um, so it's definitely a process. Um, we're going to have to wind down, but I do have one more question I want to ask is um, in this process, Kelly, that I'm sure has been difficult. And I, I'm so, you you know, really honored that you'd share it not only with me, but with the Breaking Money Silence listeners is, is there anything that you see that's been positive that's come from your family? Not in terms of the myth, but just in general, in terms of this process of communicating about money. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we're so much more um, open to talking to our kids um, because I don't want any of those, um, you know, awkward moments or, um, you know, I don't ever want them to feel uncomfortable talking to us about money. So I think that it's extremely powerful. Um, and we get to spend time with each other. We get to laugh about certain things. I mean, you know, we like to pick up my dad. He's it's fun. He's an easy target. <laughs> you know, he might be like, what? You've got you've got this there. I never knew about that. He's like, well, there's a lot you don't know. I did this in college. You know, so it's it's. Anytime you can communicate with your parents and keep it light, um, you actually learn something sometimes about your family history or about who your parents really are. Um, because, you know, there are parents, you know, we know them in a certain way, but there's so much more to them that I think we find out. And sometimes it doesn't come up until you talk about these difficult things. So there's a lot of good that comes from it. It's absolutely worth it. Yeah, no, I, I would agree from my own experience that there's some stories that you hear and stuff you wouldn't necessarily get into and maybe talking about money or the will or, you know, whatever the structure is, whatever you need to do for your family, um, if you can hang in there and know, you know, there's going to be some really um, nice moments in here as well. It can really help get through a difficult conversation, um, which it sounds like over time is getting less difficult because everybody's on board. And even though it may not be their favorite time to spend with Kelly and her brother, um, it's still happening, which is awesome. <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, for sharing that. I know there's a lot of people that can identify. And so the myth was aging parents uh, communicate with you about finances. And we've kind of reframed that into um, you need to communicate with your aging parents about finances if they haven't done it already. Um, and so, Kelly, I know today you're talking more about your personal life, but tell us a little bit about what you do professionally and how people can find out more about your work. All right. That's fantastic. Um, well, basically what we do is we're, we're a design firm. We do both print and digital media, but we also help people with logos and branding, um, email marketing, all sorts of things. We're kind of a nice way to, for companies to kind of visually identify themselves and get that out there. So we help people's businesses grow. Um, you can visit our website. It's www.sagehilldesign.net. And um, we give free half-hour consultations. And uh, 
we try to make it a lot of fun too because we know that some of this process can be daunting. So um, yeah, that's pretty much who we are. Excellent. Well, you know what? I I have to say I'm biased. I've hired Kelly. Uh, she did my logo, and uh, that's where it all began. And then we've done websites and book covers, and we're about to meet next week and work on my next book, which is called Breaking Money Silence, How to Shatter Money Taboos, Talk About Finances, and Live a Richer Life. So we're going to continue to do this fun work together, and um, this is part of the topic that's in that book. So definitely check out Kelly at Sage Hill Design. .net. Take her up on that free consult because uh, you never know where it's going to lead. And she's really been invaluable in helping my business grow. So thank you so much, Kelly, for joining us today. Oh, thank you. This was fun. Everybody take care. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard, then check out more podcasts at BreakingMoneySilence.com or subscribe on iTunes.com. Need a fun, engaging speaker for your next event? Go to kbkwealthconnection.com and find out how to book Kathleen today. Be sure to share today's show so together we can break money silence for good.